What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 22, which is an intermission show. Uh, we're taking a week off from Wolfenstein. Uh, Matt's going to be on the road for a while, so uh, I'm going to have Jay here with me. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. All right. So what you been up to? Uh, not too much. You know, most of the games that I'm playing. Right. Some of which I wish I weren't playing, but you know how that goes. <laughs> Some of which you weren't playing. Which which games do you wish you weren't playing? Do you, do you really need me to spell it out, man? You know, you know the ones. Uh, go ahead. All right. It's, uh, it's, it's this game kind of franchise. It's, it's a type of genre called the Musho. If you know Dynasty Warriors, you know, Samurai Warriors, those kind of games, they they make a lot of them, man. They make a lot. True. Yeah. It's very true. And I'm reviewing, I think, Samurai Warriors. Uh, it's like got some Japanese guy's name on it. It's, and it's about him or something. I haven't even started out because I'm finishing out. When is this even going up anyway? It's Friday, right? It'll go up Friday, yeah. Okay, cool. I can I can mention that. Uh, yeah, I finished up the the Fire Emblem. The review should be going up sooner than later. Well, I'm gonna write it today or tomorrow probably. But I uh, finished that up, and I gotta get some other stuff going. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just a lot of stuff. But when you wanna kind of get that one game out right before embargo, you you put all your focus on that. And that's what I've been doing with Fire Emblem, and just finished that like hours ago. Nice. Mm-hmm. I um. I have to write two reviews, but uh, one of which I can't talk about yet. Oh yeah, yeah. Probably. Well, yeah, I can probably talk. No, the twenty-first is when I can talk about it. Okay. What is the game then? It is a action platformer called Skyler and some somebody adventure on something island. All right. I don't know, uh, I can't remember the title, but it is kind of like a Jack and Daxter kind of game. It's a lot of puzzle, or puzzle platforming, as well as some simple action mechanics. You can find videos and stuff of it. Alright, I got the title for you. Skylar and Plux, Adventure on Clover Island. Clover Island, Plux, okay, I got it. Yeah, that's... What a what a long and drawn out title that is. Yeah, but I I think they're really trying to hit the Ratchet and Clank and uh, Jack and Baxter kind of thing. Yeah, when I look at the screenshot, it looks like a like an imitation of Ratchet and Clank for sure. Yeah, there's a similar art style, but uh, uh, well, like you can't talk about how the game plays. Wait, did you say the embargo's twenty first? Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be. The game comes out on the nineteenth. Is that for PC? It comes out. Uh, yeah, all three all three platforms coming out on May nineteenth. Maybe like. the nineteenth then. Uh, uh, e- either way, um, yeah, that's you know those platformers like indie games and stuff like that. It kind of gets overshadowed, but I I do like the fact that we cover a lot of these like non triple A games. Yeah. Some of which end up turning out to be really great, but um, I would say a little over fifty percent of the time they're usually pretty forgettable and bad. Yeah, um, 
I mean, in, I guess if it comes out what the nineteenth, you said. Well, don't 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 risk it. Like you know, That's I don't true. know. I, I can't remember. I, I don't I don't keep the emails. I just get the code and then mm-hmm. delete the emails. Wait, you don't keep it archived just in case for reference? No. Come on, Drew. My archive is the trash. <sighs> you can, a... There's a there's like a Google has like a search functionality. If I want to look up the embargo information, I'll type in the game's name and then boom, it's the, the email just shows up. I'm, I'm good to go. True. Yeah. Uh, but what I can't stand is that some of my friends, they leave hundreds and thousands of emails on Red. Yeah. And I was like, that is madness. I I whenever I get an email, it, the notification goes straight to my phone. My phone makes a noise and vibrates. I check the message. It's like a text message to me, and then I just kind of delete it or just kind of you know mark it as read. But if I keep everything on read, then I'm never going to get that notification because it's always going to have it popped up. So uh, that's 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 crazy to me. But I know a lot of people do it. Yeah, I don't do that. I have I have to delete stuff. Yeah, immediately kind of thing. You should see how many of our uh, email threads that I still have on my screen. I'm looking at my. My my mailbox and it's like ten of them Good out God. of like forty are 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 those the are those daily emails that we have. It's like ah, just forget to delete them sometimes. <laughs> um, but speaking of emails, we can go ahead and start with one. Yeah, uh, that's... Uh, Jamie sent us an email uh, talking about she knew we were doing an intermission, so she wanted to do a intermission email. Sure. She says it's been two episodes since I wrote an email. So I figured I would take the opportunity to send you an intermission email, you know, just in case you miss me. Uh, an update about anime. So, hey, Ooh. Jay, good, good job you're on the show. Yeah. So I think I've come a little ways in my anime education since back at the beginning when I thought la- The Last Airbender was an anime. I've now finished all of Full Metal Alchemist, and I loved it. I found the ending to be a little mm. convenient, but also awesome. So often endings leave you heartbroken, but everything turned out well in the end, and uh, that made me happy. I can't wait to watch it again with my kids who are a bit older. Uh, there were times when my daughter would watch watch it with me, uh, and she loved watching and asking about the boy in the armor. But I had to drive, I had to dive for the controller and turn it off when it got a bit on the violent side. Hmm. Great story, though, and lots of lessons that I think I will love to share with the kids when they get a bit bigger. I decided to watch Cowboy Bebop next, uh, but if but if other suggestions come to mind, point them out. I'm subscribed to Crunchyroll now, so I mm. need to get some use out of that, at least while I'm not trying to finish The Witcher 3. Which brings me to my next conversation starter. No spoilers, I promise. I've been plugging away, and I've finally managed to get through the second act of The Witcher 3. I had a mild heart attack when somehow one of my saves got corrupted, but thankfully I'm paranoid and have all my saves. (laughs) I found that once I left Novigrad, uh, the rampant side quest settled down a little bit, and I finally moved into important decision territory. Loving this game and excited to do the DLC when I finished. Uh, At least I'm told that I should do the DLC after the storyline is done. Anyways, any Witcher 3 talk is great to so discuss. Uh, do you have a game lined up for Phoenix Down uh, for Phoenix Down for the year? Uh, oh, I haven't. No, we don't have a full lineup. Maybe I'll pick one to do uh, after I'm done with The Witcher 3. Although, uh, when I'm done, I'm diving into Persona. So maybe I won't have the time for another game. We'll see. 
Other than that, I'm having a great gaming year, as pretty much everyone is. I might even be able to send you a top ten email at the end of the year. Jamie, uh, P.S., mm-hmm. well done on getting through Xenogears, even though you killed the meme. My Xenogears was Persona 4, but I will not be finishing that one. Instead, I'll just give five a go. That will have to be my compromise. Thank you, Jamie, for that email. Um... As far as The Witcher 3 goes, I made it past the first act. Essentially, I finished the Bloody bloody Baron stuff completely, and they are telling me I need to go to Skellig? Skellig? Skelligag? Yeah, Skelligag, however you pronounce it. Yeah, the islands. I have not went there yet. Uh, I'm just uh, working on side quests. Now, granted, I haven't played this game in probably about three weeks. Um, Just other things have come out. I've had to do reviews and stuff. Reviews kind of started kicking back in a few weeks ago. Um, but as far as The Witcher 3 goes, I think that is a phenomenal game. And me being the D&D nerd that I am, and particularly me being a dungeon master who has to come up with stories, the fantasy lore in The Witcher 3 is out of this freaking world. You know, you know what really appeals to me in uh, fantasy world especially? Uh, I would love like a book of fantasy beasts. Like their bestiary about their like uh uh you know where they live, how they like reproduce and what kind of things they eat and you know how what their distribution against humans are and things like that. Cuz that's something I think The Witcher 3 handles beautifully. The the amount of like different monsters and spirits and creatures of all types that you encounter in Witcher 3. It's just uh, just a really, really huge number. More than most other games of that genre, I think. Yeah. And they're also interesting. And the way you have to go about killing them, or not killing them because, you know, they're not, you know, they, they don't turn out to be harmful, is, it has always been fascinating to me. I think, um, you know, another game that did a really good bestiary was actually Castlevania Lords of Shadow, the first one. Um, hmm. because you actually had to read the bestiary to figure out what the enemies were weak to and stuff like that. It was actually really interesting. Really? I, I, I forget that that was a thing in uh, Lords of Shadows 1. It's been so long since I played that game. Yeah, Lords of Shadow 1 was... I still love that game. Not as good as the second game, but I mean, you know... Oh, fuck that second game. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. Yeah, I, uh, I rented the second game, and um, I don't remember if I beat it. That's how forgettable I, I that did, game was. I did not beat it. I, oh, you I did got it. I got well past halfway, and I was like, "Fuck this game!" I, I was I just you, I was so disappointed. I thought you guys did this. I know you guys did the first game for sure for Phoenix Down. Yeah. Didn't you guys also do the second one as well, or no? no? We didn't. No, it was just a it's a casual playthrough. Okay. Yeah, that was just uh, I, I, I pre-purchased it on Steam. I had just got my Ouch. new computer, and I was so ready to play this game. And I started it up, and within probably an hour, I was like, wow, they have fucked this game up. Yeah, what a what a downhill slope that, that was, because the first game, there's so many things right, and the second game decided to be something completely different. Yeah. In all the wrong ways. Oh, so bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Didn't that studio go under or something? Mercury Steam is still around, actually. They're, Are they're, they? getting, they're getting ready to release a new game. Okay. Maybe it'll be the you know redemption. Yeah, it's not Konami, obviously, but 
<laughs> what, what really is Konami nowadays? Other than when is that Metal Gear Survive game coming out? You know, is that game even happening now? I don't know. Uh, we saw that trailer and then that was it. I, I there was some supplementary like stuff coming out, but I don't. As far as like gameplay and bits of stuff here and there, it feels like the game's basically done. I don't know why it's not already out yet. Yeah. Uh, they say 2017. Don't know exactly when. I don't believe it, but it's just me. Yeah. But yeah, um, as far as The Witcher 3 goes, though, I feel like every time I boot that game up, I feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know how to approach it. I feel like, should I just go with the main story? But I feel like I'm missing out on some great stuff because that's one of the, the amazing things about The Witcher 3 is that side quests feel like main story quest in any other game. Right. And they they have like their own story and own their own background and you know sometimes they spawn into other quests and stuff. They I suppose you'd have to answer that question for yourself in this way, right? What do you want to get out of this game? Do you want to just be able to say, "Yeah, I be Witcher 3?" Or do you want to be able to just kind of just play it at your own leisure, you know, just kind of go through it regardless of how long it may take, whether it takes you the next few months or whether it takes you a year or two more. It could be one of those things where you just kind of dive in for a few hours at a time and just kind of really take it take it slow. Because I know some people that spent over like 150 hours playing through Witcher 3. Yeah. Just kind of doing all the side missions, not really for the sake of completionism, but just for the sake of because they wanted to, you know, see more of that world, you know, see how the characters interact and get the best gear and stuff like that. Right. And the way I played it was kind of somewhere in between. Uh, it came out around the time where I didn't have that many things I was playing, you know, when it originally released. So I got to put in a lot of hours. And by that time, I got like 56 hours into it. I was already so invested that uh, I just wanted to keep going until I finished the game. So eventually, I kind of stopped doing the side quests that were popping up. Not completely. I, I still did the ones that kind of, you know, uh, piqued my fancy, more or less. But I went for the main quest and finished the game. And then when the DLC came out, like uh, when Heart of Stone came out, I was able to finish that pretty quickly. But when Blood and Wine came out, like I was doing too much stuff. I've still been doing so much stuff. I still have to go back and finish it. Because I know more, I'm, I know I'm more than halfway done with it. But it's 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 down to you, man. Like, what do you want from the game? To be honest, mm -hmm. I I really want to play this game and experience all of it. Okay, hey, no one's gonna be on your ass to finish that game anymore. You know, you're not. Luckily, you're not doing it for Phoenix Down uh, or any kind of other review or preview or whatever. So this is kind of your go-to game for whenever you feel like you know playing a game that you really enjoy. There's a problem though. I, I know Overwatch and there's a storm exist. There's always a game other than The Witcher Three that exists that I also want to play. Yeah, that is true. And that game's Overwatch. Mm. I play too much Overwatch. Yeah, uh, I would not be surprised if uh, you and Ken like passed me in levels in the next month or so, or next few weeks even. They got to like level 400 and I kind of stopped playing for a while. I'm about like 230. Oh, okay. So, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what it is about that game. Like, it's just a really good game. Yeah. It's super addictive. It's so 
fucking well done. And there's just, I don't know, like, God, I, like, I can't explain it. It's, it's, it's almost like how I did with Destiny, but mm-hmm. I, w- I don't think I was ever that addicted to Destiny. Because if I didn't have people to play with in right. Destiny, I wouldn't touch it. Hmm. But the minute somebody came online, yeah, I was there playing Destiny. This game, fuck, I solo queue all the time. Yeah, that is the crazy part, right? This is not just a multiplayer game for you to play with your friends to kind of, you know, be is more or less an internet bar for you to enjoy kind of like what Diablo is to a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You play not so much to play the game, but to hang out with your friends. But when what you're describing is that this game is more than that. You just enjoy playing the game so much that you're, you're willing to play with a lot of bad pugs in particular. Uh, willing to go through that pain just to play the game. And that's nuts. I don't know what it is. That game is just, I don't know, it's so addicting. And it's, it's the weirdest thing is I play like two characters and every single match is different. Yeah, that is true. It's just like Blizzard, man, they just fucking know how to make a video game. Yeah, uh, when they made Overwatch or when they announced Overwatch, I, I remember watching the, do you remember that first reveal trailer that they, they put out? Uh, not, is that the one where Winston is, like, uh, no, 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 not the CG one, but the the gameplay one. I never saw. I, I don't. I don't think I ever really saw gameplay of that until I asked you because you kept talking about it, and I mm-hmm. remember I asked you, "Do they have tank characters?" Because that's what I usually play. And you <laughs> sent me a Reinhardt video. That's the first gameplay video I ever saw of that game. <laughs> yeah, uh, when I saw the first gameplay, it's basically like a like a small snippet of each character's ability. You know. So you have like Tracer kind of blinking around, dropping her pulse bomb and teleporting. You have like Pharaoh taking to the sky. You have like Mercy, you know, doing the healing. Just kind of goes over like each character's like special ability. And when I saw that, I was like, how are they going to balance this game? And I look at all these really dramatically like different heroes with ridiculously seemingly overpowered abilities and skills. And you throw any of those games into like a Call of Duty kind of game or any kind of like that, then you would destroy that game's balance entirely. But the way the map is designed and the way the each characters complement each other, it's done so well and with so much meticulous detail yeah. that it, it just makes every game feel different. And it's, that's why it has the legs that it does. The balance that it has is the fact that they have just the right amount of teams, like they're 6v6, just the right amount of characters, and each one counters somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, to me, that, that like, it's a fine balance that somehow they get right. You know, if the other team's got a Pharah, guess what? You got a soldier. Right. You know, if if there's way too many tanks going on the other team, grab yourself a Reaper. You know, it's, it's, it's great how they... God, it's like I, I don't. I have no idea what the thought process is for the Blizzard guys, but they're freaking geniuses when it comes to gameplay. Yeah, they they really are, and um, you can really tell because they take their sweet time getting out their new content. Yeah. But when it does, it makes such a dramatic and uh, positive impact on the overall meta of the game. Yeah. Uh, I remember the shift that happened when Anna came out. You know, when Anna first came out, um, everyone was saying that she's weak and useless. Remember that? Uh-huh. 
And then since then, she's been nerfed five, six times, and she's still good. Yeah. Her healing <laughs> is ridiculous. her healing is better than any healer in the game. Yeah, single target, you just put that, you know, nade down and just kind of heal them, and then you're just like, no, I can't kill them. No. Yeah. Every squishy that gets hit by that grenade is instantly healed. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. And um, just like you were saying, you play like two characters. Imagine if you had the repertoire of half the cast or more. Yeah. Imagine how crazy that would be. Just be able to shift uh, on the fly on what you need. And even having played as much as I have, I, I still only have maybe about seven, eight heroes that I can really confidently say that, like, yeah, I can, I can really pull my way with these guys. Right. And then from there, there's so many other characters that I want to improve. I want to get really good with May, for example, really laying laying down the ice walls when when it's really required. Uh, just using the um, was it the, the, the ice block to really kill the momentum of enemy players. Just a lot of little things like like aiming that right click with May is tough too because it's got that delay, it's got that travel time. And every character just feels so different. Yeah. Like if you're a good like uh, let's say if you're a good Pharaoh player. And you try to play like someone like Tracer, then there's no there's no skill that you're gonna carry over from playing Pharah to take over to Tracer. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it just it just takes such a long time to master a, a character or aspects of the game, not just in how to you know point and shoot something until it's dead, but knowing what composition uh, of a team really works well in what situations against what. Like if there's like a branching tree of counters. It would be like a labyrinthian list that goes in millions upon millions of pages. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's, it's a pretty intense man. But it's so good. Yep, yeah, and we're you know this is actually topical because we're coming up right on that one year anniversary Overwatch in the next next week. Kind of crazy. I've been it playing is. this game consistently for an entire year. And guess what? You're probably going to be playing for another year or two more, maybe even more longer than that. Yeah. I have a feeling this game is going to have a lot of legs. It's, yeah, I'm I'm certain because uh, Blizzard's putting a lot of weight into it. And if you looked at the, uh, was it like, was it how many millions of players? Seven? No, was it 20, 30 million? Something like that. Well, I don't I don't remember. It was such a ridiculous amount of copies of the game sold. Yeah. Uh, and the players online, and I was like, this is, this is yeah, this game's kind of out of control. Uh, it's, it's great though. Yeah, I uh, I took uh, I took my season off this. This uh, well, I took this season off for competitive, but I'll try to get back into it next season. But uh, I would, I would like to play with some people that are like at the same skill level as me and just kind of really dig into the competitive. Yeah. But for me, it's like, it's like not that easy to find. Like all my like real real friends don't play games that much, and even the ones that do don't really get too serious. So, I get serious with it, but I suck. So. <laughs> well, you're trying to improve. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. You remember I was saying on the email that I, I went down into yeah, the 1800s. Yeah. I'm back to about 1950 now, so I'm about three or four wins away from hitting gold. And you've never had gold yet, right? I have. The only time I hit gold was season two, whenever they had their ranking system jacked up. I started in gold and ended in gold. Okay, all right. But they changed it before. since season three, and yeah. I I kind of wish there was a bit more incentive. I don't want the incentive to be too huge because I don't want players that don't play competitive to really miss out on anything huge. But I want it to be a little bit more interesting than just gold weapons because once you have a few, it's like, eh, 
do I really want another gold weapon for some other characters that I don't really use that much? It's like not that big of an incentive for me anymore. So right. maybe something else. Uh, but I can't really think of anything. Maybe a seasonal spray or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not not a seasonal spray. A seasonal skin. Yeah. Uh, n- nothing. Nothing too crazy. Uh, but something you know that'll actually mark that particular season as unique. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, that's that's Overwatch. I mean, you know, me and you can talk about Overwatch like for for days. Forever, yeah. But, but uh, we probably shouldn't for the sake of the listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people people are so sick of hearing about Overwatch. Yeah, yeah, I I can I a hundred percent get it. This is a game that we talked about uh, too much throughout the year, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't really talk about it on uh. When we did the M4G podcast anymore, yeah. It's like yeah, I played during seasons, and we will ha- remark during uh, when the new stuff comes out. But I don't really feel like talking about the details because uh, I think at this point, there's just people just kind of tuned out, you know. Yeah, I, I the, the problem is is that I play so much of it. That's all I can really talk about. I mean, I I, I talk about Heroes of the Storm, but mm-hmm. who really wants to hear about that too? Yeah, this is one of those games that I feel like the games that gets people's interest of the games that are hot and new, you know? So whatever is new during that week, uh, we you know, we end up talking about or that's why I tried to play some indie games that not a lot of people know about. Right. And then some of them turn out to be very good. Like for example, I played that uh What Remains of Edith Finch. Mm-hmm. And uh that like that is legitimately on my like top ten list. Like near near the bottom, but it's it's on my top ten of this year. That's that's pretty impressive. And uh it's also playing those games like Little Nightmares that Ken also talked about, that horror platformer game. Really cool. Uh, kind of has that inside... Uh, what is that other game? Limbo. Yeah, Limbo inside kind of feel to it. But a little bit more surrealistic in some ways, too. So I, I like playing those games. And once again, uh, not, not, not too much time for, for everything. But it's good because What Remains of Edith Finch was, took me like two hours and 30 minutes to beat, which is great. Like I, I love those bite-sized games. Just, just sit down on your sit down on your couch. Just just play that game until you finish it, and then you're done. Just right. Don't even look back. Not too many of those games out there nowadays. That's true. I did play. Um, I, I got to do it for a review, but I'm trying to think if I can even talk about it. Underwater <laughs> VR game. You have a VR? I do not. Um. The... Can't send you a VR game to review when you don't have VR. It's it, it's not VR. Uh, they're releasing it on Xbox as not VR. Oh, but it, it, I'm guessing it already came out. It started on... as a VR. Oh, game. that's probably lame. Because... Um, shit, I can't find it. Is that the game where you're stuck in a cage and there's sharks and stuff? This is called Necrosis. Oh. Narcrosis, yeah. Sounds familiar, but I'm not I'm not sure if I know that game. Necrosis. There we go. Uh it's the death of most or all your cells and organs. Uh but yeah, it's a it's a game called Necrosis. I don't know. It's it's been out on uh like like uh Oculus Rift and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing it for review. All right. I, I would have, I, I would imagine that game's probably about three hours, maybe four at the most. 
Um, I feel like I'm about halfway through it, but I'm stuck at a platforming section. And huh? I've, I've done that platforming session probably about five or six times, and I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> is it the controls are bad? Is the physics that are wonky? What is it? I think it's a little bit of everything because you mm. it's a first-person game, and you're staring through a helmet. Right. And what you're supposed to do is, like, the right stick is obviously... You, basically, if you were in VR, that would be what you were doing with your head. Um, and then you move with the with the left stick. The problem is, is that it's hard to gauge which, like, looking forward and then also seeing where you're going to land. Right. When normally, if you just moved your head, you could see that. And it'd be a lot faster and easier. Um, I don't know. I can't, uh, I don't know if I can talk about it yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I get it. It's just that's always funny to me. Whenever they poured like an old game and then they put an embargo on it, like it matters. Yeah, that's that's always funny to me. But they do that all the time. I remember like remasters, especially. I think we had the Darksiders like one and two remaster, and then they put an embargo on that for a yeah. game that's like eight years old. It's like no, you can't talk about it, man. It's uh, you know, remastered. Uh, embargoes are weird. Yeah. But, I mean, you want to talk about anything else? I don't <laughs> I mean, we got plenty to talk about. Going back to what Jamie was talking about uh-huh. with, uh, with her email and uh, the anime stuff, uh, you, you know, we, I guess we all technically recommend the Cabo Bebop to her. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, that is something that is it's, it's almost universally liked. I don't think I know a single person that has seen Cabo Bebop that doesn't like it. Uh, I know some people that are not, you know, wildly in love with it, but they still can appreciate its style, the storytelling, the characters. It's just one of those timeless classics, and the way the animation for that show is done. I saw an episode of that just, just, just kind of just randomly, you know, it was just kind of uh, people were just showing like clips of that and gifs of that. So I wanted to watch like the first episode of the anime, which I have the the DVD box set from who knows when, uh, years upon years ago. And I popped the disc in, I started watching it, and man, that show has aged well. Like, not even joking. The only thing that kind of looks out of place is, you know, it's 4x3, yeah. it's not widescreen, yeah. uh, you know, which is obviously, you know, standard. But the, the way the characters are animated, the style, the, oh man, goddamn, the music. The music is still fantastic. Oh, the music is so good, man. It's, it's like it's, this. It's like a jazzy kind of sound, mm-hmm. but then they also have like '80s like hard rock in it too. Yeah, it's so good. Like that that, that series was just like above and beyond. Like when I was watching fucking Toonami and Adult Swim at that time, when Cowboy Bebop came out, I was like, "Whoa, this is this is more than anything I've ever seen before on Cartoon Network." A lot of other shows try to have try to be like Cowboy Bebop, but. None of them have ever really come close in my book. Yeah, in, in that whole thing, and it is funny because Cabo Bebop was Cabo Bebop before fucking uh, Firefly came along, and it's kind true. of a similar concept, you know. Very true. Cabo <laughs> yeah. Bebop came out what two years before Firefly did? Uh, I think it came out like late nineties or something like that, right? Cowboy Bebop came out ninety eight, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but if you told me that uh, Josh Whedon is that the director for Firefly, yeah. right? Yeah, if he if he said he took inspiration from Habib, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. it's one of the best. Um, and that's that's an easy recommendation to make. And also, it's a it's a shorter show too yeah. compared to uh, Full Metal Alchemist, uh, which is that, I think it's like fifty two episodes, something like that, right? Something like that, yeah. 
Yeah. It was technically fact, three seasons, I think is what they said. Is that how they how they show the, the Blu-rays and stuff? Well, they did it on Cartoon Network. Mm. As, see, because I watched most of it on Netflix, and then the last quote-unquote season, I was I got caught up and actually watched it while it was airing on Cartoon Network. So I watched the ending in the last season while it was airing live. Kind of thing. Mm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think I th- want to say it was three seasons. Uh or how they broke it up, basically. Um, it's, yeah, but uh, Cowboy Bebop is a uh, a shorter uh, show. Uh, they did make a movie. Did they? Watch too, and it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, the animation. It's just what it's worth it to watch for the animation and those gorgeous fight scenes alone. Yeah. Uh, but then again, it feels like everyone felt like they could have used more Cowboy Bebop in their lives because the short, as we were just saying, is short. So um, yeah, the movie is good. Uh, watch it after you watch the show, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there it is. There's also like a manga based on that. I also have like the short form manga that they release, thinking that it was canonical, but it's not. Uh, it's neat, kind of, but it's nowhere near as good as a show. I can see actually shit. Oh yeah, it's over there on my shelf over there. Yeah. Um, but that's 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 uh, it for Cowboy Bebop. I have some other recommendations. That's also on Crunchyroll since she's uh since she subscribed to do it. Um, a show called Re Zero. Don't know that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a subtitle Re Zero: Starting Life in Another World. It's uh, it's kind of got that cliche of uh, 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 someone from our reality becoming trapped in some fantasy reality thing, right? But this also has the caveat of kind of being in that grand grand uh, grand dog day, day, where you kind of repeat the same day over and over again. So he kind of gets sent over to this universe, and he's the same guy, right? He doesn't have any superpowers. He's not all of a sudden super talented or anything like that. No. What he does have is that once he dies, he restarts his same day again from a certain point in time until he passes you know, a certain flag or whatever, or a certain point where he gets to continue the day. So by dying over and over again, he's able to learn you know, information, try to better himself in a lot of ways. And he's kind of like trials, trials and tribulations in this really crazy world. And seeing how like enemies turn to friends uh, because of all the things that he knows about them and seeing the, all the dynamic between the weird characters uh, is very interesting, very compelling stuff. And also it's very... Very violent though, so don't don't watch it with your kids. Yeah. But <laughs> it is it is most certainly for adults. Uh, but I I thought it was very enjoyable. I was hooked on it because I started watching it when it was finished, so I had the luxury of just kind of binge watching through it, and I enjoyed that show. And another show that's on here uh, from my list that I can see is Hunter X Hunter, also on Netflix by the way. And um, that's probably one of my favorite shonen shows of all time. Shonen being Shows like Naruto, like Bleach, and like, you know, uh, Dragon Ball and stuff like that. And what Hunter x Hunter does well is that it always has a way of playing with your expectations. You, They give you all the indications that things are going to go a certain way, but then, but then kind of twist things around in a way you don't, you don't see coming. Uh, the, the characters are really charming and uh, really well developed in a lot of ways because it feels like a, stereotypical like shonen you know like a was it a coming of age kind of story right at first but once you kind of really delve into it and see what these kind of individuals are made of and what the, what length they're willing to go to meet their goals it ended up being pretty compelling 
So if you if you have the opportunity, that's a long long show. So it's one of those shows you can just kind of watch whenever uh you know you have like an hour or two and just kind of watch a few episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. If you if you watch like the first four episodes of that, uh, I think you'd be pretty impressed. Uh, that that recommendation also goes to you, Drew. I think from your background of uh, sh- you know seeing like shonen shows like that, I think you would enjoy that show a lot. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I you have, have like a Netflix subscription, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's Search there. Hunter. Yeah, Hunter X Hunter sometimes. And, uh, give a f- give like three four episodes a show, and then if you're not hooked after four episodes, and just forget about it. But if you find it interesting, it only gets better and better and better. I've uh, heard of that show. I just never watched it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you look at the artwork, it looks kind of kiddish, but it is by no means kiddish. Once right. you start really getting into it, uh, there is intense action. The amount of mind games and the way it, the show makes you think about situations and these complex characters and the things that they do is really intense. And obviously, you've heard of like JoJo and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. JoJo, the entirety of JoJo's is in uh, that's been animated so far is also on Crunchyroll, and that's a phenomenon. Like not just in like the internet and the memes and stuff like that that it provides, which are all fantastic, by the way. But, uh, I mean, you've seen, like, the Dio memes and stuff like that, right, Drew? I've, I've seen some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, yeah. Uh, you've seen, like, the Roundabout, the song meme and stuff like that everywhere uh, yeah. as well? Um, yeah. Yeah, those those things exist because JoJo is so influential. Yeah. Yeah, and it is influential because the style that it has is unique to it, too. And it is wholly independent of its own. Like, all the other shows that have come and follow have tried to do what JoJo does, but JoJo has always had its own way of doing things. Yeah. And that's that's always been an interesting thing about it. Uh, you got any shows that you want to recommend in particular, Drew? Yeah, I've actually went back. I talked to my old roommate because he was big mm-hmm. in anime, and we watched a lot of stuff back whenever I was living with him. Uh, so this was back in like 2010, 2011, around in All there. Right. Uh, there was a show um, that was very intriguing to me, and it was called uh, Eden of the East. I don't know if you Ooh. ever saw that. I've heard of it, I haven't seen it yet. Why don't you describe it for me? It's actually really interesting. It's about this guy uh, who he's he's he finds himself standing around in Washington D.C. completely naked and doesn't know why. And it's like this huge like conspiracy theory thing because uh, he doesn't know what the f- he can't remember anything, but uh, he thinks that he's an assassin because he's there with like, he has like a gun and. It's pretty wild because, and one of the things I found so intriguing about it was he's Japanese. He's a Japanese man, and he's in the United States. All other characters that are American are speaking English, and he doesn't understand it. So they have English voice actors as well as Japanese voice actors. Um, I found that kind of intriguing. I don't think I ever finished it, but um, I just I, that that always stuck out in my mind. Uh, but one of the biggest ones that I watched. Um, uh, while living with uh, my roommate was uh, it's actually made by it was created by Marvel and it was created by Stan Lee no less and it was called Hero Man uh, mm. it, it was his foray into anime and I thoroughly enjoyed it because you, you, when you watched it you say yeah this is something Stan Lee would create uh, it's about a kid who has like a toy robot that gets mm-hmm. struck by lightning and now he can control that robot. It turn, turns into a gigantic robot, and he can control it, and it becomes a superhero uh, with the robot. Um, and uh, Hero Man, I don't know if they ever, if it ever got a full like English release. 
Uh, well, I can tell you the Hero Man is actually indeed in Crunchyroll. Okay. Looking at it, it's got 26 episodes. It's all on there if you want to watch it. Um, and the thing about Crunchyroll that's good is that they put a lock on things that are new. Uh, but if you actually register, I think you, you have to register for free. But you can watch the 480p resolution uh, streams of stuff for free. Okay. Which is actually pretty nice. And uh, if you have like ad block and stuff like that, then it'll shut down all the the really intrusive ads. So you can just kind of have a really pain-free experience watching it. I'm um, looking at some of the screenshots. This definitely looks like an anime. It doesn't look like a, like an American drone thing at all. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's it is straight up anime. He he went to a uh, Stanley went to an anime uh, company mm-hmm. uh, in Japan. To make this, but he, he, he specifically helped produce it. He created the characters uh-huh. and basically created the main storyline. So I would say it's really a big spoiler because you get it probably in the second episode. That lightning strike that hit his robot was actually a power. It was some kind of power coming from an alien spacecraft. Right. Aliens are eventually trying to take over the world and he's fighting off the aliens with his robot now. Um, but you, you, if you watch that show, you would think this is like an anime version of a Marvel movie. <laughs> it's it's actually really good. And Stan Lee does make a cameo. Oh, he, does he? Now? Yes, he Great. does. He is in it. He is he's Joey's uh, neighbor that lives next door to him. Awesome. So uh, yeah, I highly suggest Hero Man. That was actually a really fun show that that I I, I became addicted. To. That was actually what got me back into anime. That I watched Hero Man, and then we sat down and watched Bakano, which is another one that I really suggest. Um, and then there's, uh, then we watched, then that's when I got into Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, nice. so I watched all those back to back, but Hero Man was really what got me back into anime. Cause I was like, okay, I can get behind this. Stan Lee made it. And you know, it's, it's kind of American. It happens in the United States and everybody's right. got, you know, American names like Joey and stuff. And, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, that series and it's short. Um, Bacchano was another one that I mentioned before. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really short. I think it's only like 15 episodes or something yeah, like Bakken that. Yeah, Bakano's like 12, 13 episodes. Very, very short. Yeah, and I highly suggest that one. That one is really good because there was this crazy like mystery. Mm-hmm. And then there's a ton of different characters. And then also it happens during like the, the mobster era. And I've always been a big fan of like mobster movies and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I've seen Bakano too. And I think we both recommended it. And what I'll say about that series is that you've never seen an anime like that at all. Like. No. Regardless of how many different animes you might have watched, you haven't seen something like Bakano because the way they do the narrative and storytelling in that is it jumps around a lot. It's like a Tarantino movie. Yeah, it feels that way. It also counts a lot on its uh, the strength of its characters and dialogue and these characters that are kind of like larger than life. You know, Uh, if you remember, fucking was it uh, Real Tracer or something like that? What the heck was that? Remember, remember, in the, they're in the train and something's gonna go, come get them. Yeah, covered, like covered the, in blood. It's like that evil, the big evil bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the way they kind of twist all the little conventions of anime about like who's supposed to be the hero. Because in that series, there's no one heroine or hero. Yeah, you know? there's, there's there's really no hero in there. Everybody yeah. in there's a bad guy. They're all thieves and mobsters and and particularly just bad people. 
Yeah, and uh, not only that, the story doesn't just follow one person's perspective. It just it bumps around like all the time. Yeah, and the cast of like these ten, fit, twelve, thirteen people that you're kind of watching things unfold. Obviously, they put some focuses, a uh, focus on certain some some of the bigger bigger heroes, but like all the characters have their moments, and I, I think that's something that I really like. Also, it's a very funny show too. Yeah, it's uh, violent though. It's very violent. It's, it's violent, but. Man, you remember that a couple, the the guy and the girl, they're yeah, the they're always, yeah. yeah, they're super outlandish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they always they're, they're, they're were favorite my shit. Yeah, yeah. When they they whenever they go into a robbery, they have to have a theme. Yeah. So, so one time they they uh, dress up as like New York Yankees players yeah. with a baseball bat and start robbing places. <laughs> it's, it's they start dressing up as Indians as well, and then it's it's great. Yeah, Santa Claus, I think, at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it's actually really good. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of want to go back and watch Bacchano again. Yeah, Bacchano's great because, you know, it's so short. You know, it would be an enjoyable rewatch, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, uh, like, that ending, man, what a twist. Hey, we never saw a second scene in that show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, th- those things kind of come and go, but uh, I do appreciate the little bits of like you know flash in the in the pan kind of shows that yeah. just kind of come out of nowhere and they're brilliant and then they're just gone forever. Yeah, it's like you just gotta appreciate them, man. I you know, and I, I mentioned before that I had to for the website I had to review this thing called Neon Alley, which was a kind of a short-lived uh, television channel that was on PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. It was so weird how they did this. So it was a channel, basically, that you that you streamed, and you didn't choose what you wanted to watch. It was basically like you had to watch, you know, you had to check the website to see what they were going to be playing at 5 o'clock or at 6 o'clock and stuff like that. Right. And that actually introduced me to a lot of new, kind of the new wave of anime. And this was probably about 2000, I was at my, I was in my house now, so that was probably 2012, 2013. And I like I had never watched Naruto. I watched some Naruto there, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, but one of the great things is is that they, every, every, one day out of the week, they would play the first episode of an anime, just so somebody could get caught up. And um, I, I absolutely fell in love with Tiger and Bunny, which I've mentioned multiple times. I thought that was a great show, and it was about superheroes and and how commercialized they were. And I, I, I thought it was so intriguing that they had like real world like businesses like on their chests and on their body armor and stuff like that, especially like a fucking NASCAR driver. Yeah, that's that's what interests me because if they're really truly worshiper heroes in the modern age, that's exactly how they would be. You know, it'd you be can't, commercialized as hell. Yeah, you're gonna see some, you know, some superhero that's flying around. It's gonna have a giant Walmart symbol yeah, attached Coca-Cola. to his chest. You know? <laughs> yeah, one's gonna have like he's gonna be doing promotions for Amazon Prime and shit. It's gonna be great. Uh, that's that's how it would be, and that, that's oh, I like I like the different takes on things because it's not cheap being a superhero, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> not everyone gets to be bad, man. Shit, you gotta pay for your own costumes and all this stuff. You gotta, you gotta get some food. You know, you can't, you can't be a superhero and hold down a steady job. It's really difficult to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I um, man, uh, there was other episodes of stuff that I watched. I, I watched Blue Exorcist, which I thought was okay. Yeah, that's. I, I saw some episodes of that too, and I thought that was okay. Yeah. I really, yeah, it wasn't really you know standing out to me. I mean, if you want to get into the old school stuff that I used to watch, you know, back in the old Toonami days, I mean, I used to watch Ronin Warriors. 
Uh, I don't know that one. Ronin Sounds Warriors. like a video game. Uh, Ronin Warriors. I mean, obviously, I think it went by a different name back in in Japan, but it was like uh, Samurai Power Rangers almost, hmm. where they transformed into their armor. Um, there was like a red one and a green one, and I think I think you're going way too retro now. Yeah, well, this was <laughs> you could tell by just the animation that it looked yeah, like yeah, the yeah, 80s. Uh, yeah. That's uh, the the only show that I can really recommend, and this is. Like I, I love like Ronin Kenshin. That's that's part of where my name came from back in the, my handle, Patosai J. Patosai comes from the anime Ronin Kenshin, and um, I was just smitten with the character and the animation back in the day. But this was like, this was like early two thousand, like you know, like late nineties kind of stuff. So the name that I stuck with back then is some is the name that I still use now. And when you think about it, it's like you're still using the same kind of moniker that you're. What is it like? You, the yourself that was in the teens, you know, like the 15, 13 year old version of you chose for yourself, and then you end up using it like tens of years later. So it's one of those things, and uh, that's a difficult anime to recommend because at this point of time, it it has aged so poorly because it's so old, right? Yeah. Because the character, but the characters, the themes, some of the fight scenes, still great. But if you ever have the chance, there are these uh, Ruin Kenshin OVAs, right? And to me, they're pretty timeless because of the way they're animated and how much budget went into uh, went into was it uh, animating them? Uh, let me see if I can find it OVAs. And I remember having the having the uh, the DVDs. There's called Ruin Kenshin Trust and Betrayal, and what they are, are kind of like um, like origin story for this character. And uh, they're done beautifully. E- even if you watch them today, uh, they look really nice. Uh, obviously, it's it's a very serious story. It's not. It's less an anime movie and more a samurai movie. You know what I mean? Right. So it's very serious in tone. It's super gory. Uh, there's a there's a lot of dialogue. Uh, there's more emphasis in setting the setting the stage and the tone than you know people powering up their power levels or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a much more realistic take. So, you know, if you ever have the opportunity to check those out. But man, I wish I wish they would re re like master slash remake Ronnie Kenshin for the modern age and do it really well. Kinda like what they're doing with uh, JoJo. I think they're doing a fantastic job really to reinvigorate that series. Because that's a series that started in the late late eighties, man. Yeah. So you get new anime adaptations of these things that came out in the late eighties, early nineties, and Introducing it to a whole brand new audience, and they're doing it with so much respect to the original source material that I can't help but respect the uh, respect the the people behind it. It's, it's very well done. Did you? I have to bring this up. So mm. a buddy of mine, he he was a big fan of anime, and he he uh, he he would just buy you know just random stuff. All right. And uh, this was probably back in the mid two thousands. He still. Uh, he, he, we went to High Five Buys, I think is what it was, <laughs> when that was still around, and they had they were they were getting rid of a lot of their shit, and some of that was VHS tapes of anime. All right. He bought a bunch of them, and we sat down and watched one of them, and I can't help but laugh at this fucking anime because it's so it, it's so like that's like when you think of anime, like mm-hmm. the the negative connotations of anime, this is it, right? It's a show called Crying Freeman. 
Oh, dude, I, I heard it. I know about that. Show. I've never seen a single episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> so let me just give you the basis for Crying Freeman. Crying Freeman is about this guy who is an assassin. And he um, he kills people using blades that he puts in between his toes. And he kills them that way by kicking them. And he cuts their throats and stuff like that. Um, every time he kills somebody, the pain overwhelms him and he starts crying because of it. He has a sidekick who is a very large woman. She's overweight. They obviously draw her appropriately. And when she goes into a fight, she has to get naked. (laughs) It is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That that is that is the original run of that series was nineteen eighty six and nineteen eighty eight. Okay. Yeah, so that is uh I'm sure like back when that came out that was like new, you know? And guess what, Drew? There was a live action adaptation of Crying Freeman. What? Yes. <laughs> nineteen ninety five Canadian action film. Canadian action? Canadian action film. And it had an international theatrical debut. Did did it have a naked portly woman? I'd never seen it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But the <laughs> I'm looking at the, the poster and it's, he has a samurai sword and there's like a single tear coming out of his eyes. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. I gotta watch, look this up. I kind of want to watch this movie now. Get like, you know... Uh, get inebriated, you know, the right amount. Let's just put this on, watch it with your friends or something. That, that that might be a good time. I might have to track this film down. But that is pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's 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 fucking horrible, but fascinating just to yeah. watch that because it's like, what the fuck am I even watching? <laughs> they, you know, when they say there's there's this of everything, there is an anime of everything. Yeah, like literally, almost. Well, you know, not. Not quite literally everything, because that'd be a, the wrong use of that word, and I I know somewhere somewhere it's gonna be, be pissed off without using that word. But there is so many different types of anime. You name a sport, right? Regardless of how fucking ridiculously niche that sport might be, or how unlikely, or how bad it might be to have an anime or manga adaptation of it, it has a manga or anime adaptation of it. There's a manga adaptation of golf right now. It's running right now. That's like getting popular and people are getting into watching a golf manga that is crazy hey that boxing one was actually really good hey don't don't fuck with hajime and ipo man that's like one of the best sports manga animes of all time it's actually really good and i I still kind of like the eye shield 21 too Uh, i've never seen that one but i'm sure it's good like most most of the high profile sports animes like have you seen slam dunk no Slam Dunk is awesome. Like I love basketball. Love Slam Dunk. Uh, there's one for table tennis. There's one for rugby. There's one for sumo wrestling. You just name it, man. There's you know there's one for fucking figure skating. <laughs> so anime is just a boundless world of imagination, and it just goes on and on and on. And that's why when someone tells me that anime is stupid, I'm like, yeah, it can be stupid. But have you seen some of the stuff that it has to offer? It's got so much stuff. Like, you just gotta know what to watch. That's the that's the most difficult part, right? 
figuring out what's good and what to watch. Yeah. Because there's just so much. Uh, each season, I, I want to follow, like, one anime series because I like having something to look forward to every week, you know? Like, say, say, like, that episode or that season of whatever updates on a Friday. Right now, I'm following the Attack on Titan Season 2, which updates on a, on a Friday. Is it Friday or Saturday? One of those days, and that's been pretty nice. It's getting kind of intense, that show. Um, also on Crunchyroll, by the way. But... Um, yeah, I just like to pick one show. Like, what are you watching nowadays? Are you are you following anything? I don't follow any anime right now. No. Okay. I, I hadn't watched a a full on anime series since um that in a long time before I watched um Danganronpa three. Basically. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that kind was of the first one I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like. I, I've tried. I, I've tried to get into to other animes. I don't know. Like. uh Maybe I should take a look at something. Um, maybe I'll check out that Hunter X Hunter. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Like I said, give it the first first four episodes of the show, and then if you're if you're not hooked, you can think about watching something else. But uh, that's that's one show that I kind of watch like uh, like the Boruto episode or like the new Naruto thing called Boruto, right? Mm-hmm. And then I tried to watch the first episodes that while I was babysitting uh, my nephews, and they were watching it, and I was like, this is boring. This is dull. And I just turned on Hunter x Hunter for the kids, and they loved it. You know, they, they used to rather much watch this show from, like, like uh, was 2010 or 2011, something like that, over this show that just came out, like, recently. And it kind of speaks to how well the show is animated and uh, how well the characters are developed. But uh, that's, you, that's that. What do you think of Helsing? Because I actually got into that back in the day. Uh, which one? Helsing Normal or Helsing Ultimate? I watched Helsing Regular. Okay. Uh, Helsing regular was good. Um, I don't think during the time it was coming out, we didn't really see a lot of shows of that style, especially that gory, right? Yeah. But I think Helsing Ultimate is where the the show reaches. It's it's kind of like Helsing Ultimate is the Full Metal Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, right? Compared to Full Metal Alchemist, you know what I mean? It's the full vision uh, of the mangaka, which is means the, the you know the author of the series. So if you liked Helsing, you should probably watch Helsing Ultimate because it's, it's that, but better. Now, I got really into that. I actually read the mangas. Oh, yeah? Nice. Uh, and um, that was like the first ones I'd ever read, and I, I got hooked. Like as soon as I, I, I had to figure out how to read it because I was like, I don't know how <laughs> to, like, which panel do I go to from here? Uh, but I got really deep into that, and I was like, man, they're actually exploring like vampire lore to a T almost. Yeah, I really like that about it because I've always been a big fan of like just monster lore and stuff. That's why I'm a big fan of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of which, there is a Supernatural anime out there. Yeah, I, I watched that. I have too. It's okay. I I've, I saw the Supernatural anime before I saw the uh, the TV show, which was funny. Nice. Because um, to me, like when people recommend the Supernatural, like you especially, it's like okay, there's one season of the anime. There's 11 season of the Supernatural show I haven't seen yet. There's 13 so, episodes. I, I know, seasons. but I, I, at that point of time. So I was like, uh, let me just watch the anime and just, just see what it's about. And I was like, this anime was, was decent. It was, was fine, but it wasn't anything like special. Maybe that's why it didn't get a second season or whatever. But I did like the, the usage of the music. I thought the animation was pretty good. Uh, and then I started watching the TV show, which is okay, but. I've, I've, I've aired out my grievances about that show, and that's why I stopped watching it. I, yeah. it's, I'm it's, still a fan of that show. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, The characters are still good. Obviously, the dynamic between the two brothers is legendary among uh, TV shows, in my opinion. But it just comes down to the writers just did too much too fast and then just kind of dug themselves too far into the hole. And then now everything just seemed meaningless. It's much like yeah. comic books. It kind of, you know, except, you know, I guess they didn't go too far into like parallel dimensions and stuff like that uh, that I know of. Did you ever get deep into comics, Jay? Uh, not too much in America. I mean, I have some American comics. I'm looking at The Watchmen over there. Yeah. I read that book before the, the, the movie came out. Really good. Uh, I have Kingdom Come, which is another really classic Marvel, Marvel, no, DC, 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 uh, yeah. comic. And, and that's about it, really. Like, I don't really follow too many, uh, American comic books. And one of the reasons being, um, they annoy me because of too many parallel universes. And that's true. When they just delve into how many times has Superman died now, you know? I mean, now come on, like I don't, I can't even count that many numbers at this point. It's too much. Like everything seems meaningless because within the context of their universe, it's it's an infinite amount of universes, and it's really hard to kind of grasp that character. When I watch, let's say, a show like Hunter x Hunter, if a character dies in that series, they're not gonna come back in another spinoff series. They're dead. They're fucking dead forever. And that has some meaning and impact in it, right? <laughs> so when you start saying that, like, oh, yeah, Batman is this here, but Batman is here over here doing this, Superman's over here, and they're all different versions of each other, everything that they do and all the actions that they, they, they you know, make ultimately seem meaningless to me. Not to say that I don't enjoy, like, those things. Like, I still enjoy the, well, I enjoy the uh, the Chris Nolan Batman series. I enjoy um, the DC Comic Universe uh, movies most of the time. Yeah. I think... I actually just recently showed the uh, the, Vix, the Vixen one that came out with recently, and that one's not good. <laughs> that one's not it, that one's not one of the good ones. But uh, I mean, I generally enjoy those. So yeah, but comics, man, too much. There's too much of it, and also there's just too many inter- interpretations for me to really latch onto. If you ever really wanted to get into comics, I would suggest probably trying to get into Image Comics. Uh, because they're kind of like an independent. They they let they allow people to do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so image uh, probably uh, there's a series called Invincible, which I think is is absolutely fantastic. Um, and that that comic series because they don't have to worry about you know appealing to people. You can't kill Batman. Fuck it. In Invincible, you can kill main characters and leave them dead. You know because it's my comic. It was created mm-hmm. by Robert Kirkman originally. All right. Um, and, um, it's really well done. Um, image also does like, uh, the TMNT, um, which, uh, is fantastic. I've read, uh, probably the first five story arcs of that. Hmm. Uh, they, they did a reboot of, uh, TMNT. Uh, I, I hope they make another good TMNT video game at this point. You know... I don't hold out hope anymore. No. Like we, we have been burned too many times. You're right. Excuse me, SIDW that does TMNT. Oh, uh, okay. How did they fuck up Turtles in Time Remastered, dude? It's the easiest thing in the world. I don't know, but they seriously did. They they, they really oh did. Oh, God. Reshelled was fucking horrible. I can't believe how badly they did with... Like literally, if they made the same game exactly to the to the you know to the letter, and then just made the visuals slightly better, 
that's all you needed to do. Like maybe add like one boss or something. I don't know. Add some content, but they hum somehow took out content, made the game feel worse, sound worse, and somehow look worse. How is that even possible? Is it? How do you even fuck something up that hard? Guys, I don't know who all's listening, but I need to tell you this. What? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Four: Turtles in Time is one of the best Super Nintendo games that's ever been made. You're right. It, 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 I'm, I'm not kidding around when I say that, and, and I'm not because I'm a giant TMNT fan. That is, that is by far one of the best beat 'em up games that's ever been made. To me, Drew, that is the best beat 'em up game ever made. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is so freaking well done. And anybody out there who has never played that game, you need to play that game. We're uh, talking about the Super Nintendo one, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the Super yeah. Nintendo one. They had it on the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to say, the arcade version may very well be superior. But, but the most, Super Nintendo had the had the extra bosses and stuff, which is awesome. The the SNES version was the one that most people played. Yeah, and I think it's one of the best fucking soundtracks to to a, to a, a game too. I mean, it's it's stellar. There is not a single soundtrack. There's not a single track in that entire thing that is not good. It's it's the entire package. I mean, it's Ninja Turtles, so you know what you're getting into. You know what you're going to be fighting. It's a beat 'em up. You beat the crap out of stuff, but it's so freaking fantastic. Like that, like I suggest that game to anybody. It is one of the, it is the best beat 'em up game I've ever played. And, and guess what, Drew? I played that game about maybe a year, year and a half ago. Yep. Holds up. It does. Yep. Just put grab a friend, get another controller in their hands. And go. Just yep. play the game. It's as simple as that. It's brilliant. God, that game was so cool. You could like grab foot soldiers and throw them at the screen, which yep. you had to do for a boss fight. Yep. It's so freaking cool. I remember all the times that me and my friend gave each other dirty looks for taking the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> when the other person has a smidge less health than the other. <laughs> it's like, just like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, it's such great moments, and it, I can't even count how many times I, I finished that game, man, with my friend. Oh, that I was a game that we we beat, basically beat that game once a day every time we hung out, and we hung out like every other day for yeah. years upon years. And oh my god, that's a, that game's such a masterpiece. That's we don't really get that anymore, man. No, you don't. You don't. You don't get that. And like, I hate to say it. I mean, it's, it's totally a nostalgia trip for me. I was thinking about it the other day because I ran into a buddy of mine uh, at a restaurant who I hadn't seen in fucking seven years. Um. But I remember him, uh, and it, it brought back a memory of me and him together, because I've talked about it on the Metal Gear whenever we first covered Metal Gear for Phoenix Down, and I'll talk about it here, about how influential Metal Gear Solid was on the PlayStation. And my memories of playing that game for the first time, it was my birthday, and I got the Pizza Hut demo disc that came with Metal Gear Solid on it. <laughs> and I played that demo, and I played it over and over again. And then the next day, I told my dad, take me to Walmart because I want to buy this game. And I remember going there, and I couldn't find the fucking game. I was like, I don't know what the fuck this game looks like, you know. And then I, I saw this big white fucking, you know, game case with the simple letters Metal Gear Solid wrote on it in red. To me, uh, that's one of the most beautiful fucking game cases ever. I wish every Metal Gear continued that 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 way, but of course they had to 
put a guy with a gun on the fucking cover of the next one. Of course, of course. Um, but uh, my buddy, Jimmy, uh, he was over at my house that weekend. He was staying over. And me and Jimmy sat there and proceeded to play through the entirety of Metal Gear Solid in that weekend. And, like, that's one of the best fucking memories of my childhood I have right there is because is, it was it was no, it was just pure like addiction sitting there playing nothing but Metal Gear both of us were fucking like just blown away by the graphics the full voice acting like the crazy ass story the boss fights that is such a fucking like I wish I could get that again like yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever experience that again I it, it like People ask me, like, you know, as far as the gaming, as far as my gaming life goes, what would be a, something I'd love to, to relive again? It would be me playing Metal Gear Solid for the first time. Like, yeah, that, that was that, that, that was is it. certainly up there. Yeah, uh, I had I had a very similar experience, but with a different game called I think you're very familiar, but called Final Fantasy VII. Yes, Final Fantasy and, VII was another one. And that a game called I believe Saga Frontier came with the demo disc of Final Fantasy VII. Or I, that's the game, right? That's the game that was a Final Fantasy. It was Final Fantasy VII, right? That came with the uh, Saga Frontier, right? Maybe, I think so. Uh, but anyway, I, I got that, and I played that demo at least seventy times. At least seventy times. The reason why I know is I have a, such a rough estimation of the numbers because that's about how many days there was in between. No, about sixty times. Because there was about a 12-day 12, 12 gap between me getting that game and when I got the demo disc. And every day I would play through that demo about five times. So it took me about 12 days to get that game. And I would play that demo about five times each day. Five times 12 is 60. So that's about the rough estimate of how many times I played that. I still have the shirt that came with the, the pre-order of Final Fantasy Seven. Nice. It's it's uh I mean you know I, I can't you know I don't wear it or anything like that but it it is beat up as shit but I still have that cloud strife shirt man and the game wasn't as good as you know all that build up tend to be because at that point I was coming from Final Fantasy VI Chrono Trigger and all that stuff and as much as I I love Final Fantasy VII mind you um it didn't turn out to like kind of beat my expectations and everything because oh boy was it was it a revolutionary thing to see the the visuals the music. And everything it was such a step up. Coming from Super Nintendo to going to PlayStation was a huge, huge jump. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I remember that. And um, uh, my friend also had a similar story, except it was with my copy of fucking Zone of Enders and Metal Gear Solid Two demo. Oh, I played the shit out of the Metal Gear Solid Two demo. <laughs> oh yeah, that demo was a fucking masterpiece, dude. And I didn't give a shit about Zone of the Enders. Dude, and, uh, I feel bad for Zone of Enders. That was a good game. I, I yeah. didn't. Buy, yeah, I, eventually, I did play through Zone of the Enders, and then Zone of the Enders Two is fantastic. But one of the greats. Uh, but uh, you know, Zone of the Enders One was kind of rough. I mean, yeah, it I, was. It was rough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that story was kind of. Ooh, this is dumb. <laughs> it, it was. It was a very cliche anime story for sure. But Zone of Enders Two is where they really. They, that's why it was Zone of Enders Three. Like you guys were surprised when I I talked about Zone of Enders 3 as one of my dream games to be announced. Yep. But that's always been like that fucking pink unicorn for me because it was such an unlikely thing. Back when fucking, you know, Kojima used to work with... Uh, did I say... Yeah, Kojima used to work with uh, Konami. Yep. It was a real possibility that he always showed interest 
in doing a follow-up to Zona Vendor. So whenever he was asked about Zona Vendor, he always, you know, put a say like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to go back into that universe again. I have more th- I have more stories to tell, you know, the gameplay is something that... Like, name one game out there today, right now, that I can play that plays like Zona Vendors. One game, Drew. Name one game for me. With that, with that controls in space, how fast and fluid those controls are from Mac Combat, traveling through space, slicing and dicing, shooting laser beams everywhere. There, there isn't really. No. Like, none at all. And it's been so many years since Zona Vendors, man. And they, no other game has even come close to replicating that, that sense of freedom that you have. Just flying around in space and just fucking doing Mac battles and stuff. Uh, I like the story too, but. Ugh, never gonna get on the vendor street, man. But every every year at E3, at the back of my mind, it's like uh, maybe maybe it's on the vendor street. Never never happens though. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I don't know, man. It's there's been so many like great moments of like when I was like twelve, thirteen, fourteen mm-hmm. years old. That I mean that's that's obviously like we've said it before, but that you know. Psychologists say that you had the most nostalgia for stuff whenever you uh, experienced them between the ages of thirteen and fifteen, and you know that was ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand. So, ton of stuff came out during that time. Ninety eight was a very big year for me. Two thousand was another big year for me because that was like fucking Diablo two, which I played the shit out of, and there was God, what else came out that year? I played a lot of Quake 3 Arena back in the day. That was like my first experience with online play. Yeah, it's just, uh, it is true. Our our mind does kind of go back and uh, think about those moments. But I, I do believe we still have, you know, great moments ahead. Obviously, in that, when we're, when we're kind of trapped in that moment, like, for example, when you're playing um, Metal Gear Solid, right? You weren't sitting there thinking like, "Oh boy, in 15 years, I'm really gonna look look behind this and then think think to be this to be as one of the greatest moments in my life." You weren't thinking that. You were just so concentrated in that moment of playing that game, you know, enjoying it, that you didn't think about what what you would feel like when you're uh, you know so far into the future. So I have a feeling that I'm gonna feel something similar later down. Let's say maybe like 10, 15 years from now. Maybe I'll, I might be thinking of games like Persona 5. I might be game, thinking of games like Witcher 3 and thinking of them as fondly as I do games like Final Fantasy 6 and Chrono Trigger and stuff like that, you know? Do you think so? Because here, here's my problem with that. And, I mean, this this goes into the whole psychology of, right. of uh, technology because the reason why Metal Gear Solid was so influential to me as a video game was the fact that you've never seen anything like that before. You know, like the, the that was the first time I did, like the thing that sold me the most, and Matt even said it himself on the podcast was the fact that I was sitting there playing the game, sneaking around and you know, breaking guys' necks while the fucking credits were playing. I'd never seen that before in a game. I didn't. Well, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, it's like a fucking movie. I'd never seen that before. Now mm-hmm. every fucking game does that. You know, it's it, the thing is, is I I feel like we're not impressed anymore. True. Because technology jumped so fast, it, it include like not just in gaming, but in like the entire world, mm-hmm. you know that I feel like, unlike my parents who are in their sixties now, who have a hard time grasping technology or or 
email or anything to do with computers, I feel like I will always be kind of keeping up with the new age technology because I grew up with that stuff. Right. And that during the gaming part of that, you know, we were, we were stuck watching, you know, 2d sprites fight against each other and, you know, side scrollers and stuff like that. And then when we jumped to the PlayStation and we had our first real glimpse at 3d and what could be done there, that was mind blowing. Nobody had ever seen that before. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like, we're never going to get that feeling again because what else can they do to make it better? We already we already have like what looks like fucking realistic graphics. I mean, have you seen the facial animations in Injustice Two? Some of that shit looks fucking real. Hey, I, I, yeah, some of it looks really good, and others because it's so realistic. The stuff that looks slightly weird, you know, it's got that whole uncanny valley aspect to it. But I, I know what you're getting at. But think about it this way, right? What really gets me nowadays is when I can't predict the actions and movements of the AI. That's what gets me. Like, for example, I was playing Outlast 2, right? And uh, basically, I'm being chased by dudes. And I jump down into the crawl space under the floor. You know, I barely have room to kind of crawl. I go down there, and I'm hurt. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to bandage myself. And I jumped down there and thinking like, okay, I'm safe. They're not going to come chase after me underneath the floor where they got to fucking crawl to get to me. That's just not something that uh, video game enemies do. And I start bandaging myself up. And all of a sudden, I see lights behind me, you know? And I was like, oh, shit, what is this? And then I look behind me because, you know, Outlast has that button to look behind you, right? And then I look behind me and dudes with fucking pitchforks and a torch are crawling, crawling towards me slowly but surely just fucking coming from all angles i was like ah shit and those are the kind of the moments that stick out to me now it's not like oh how how realistic this game looks it's what these enemies and what these characters are able to do against me in particular uh to really keep me uh in suspense and i think in that regard i think ai right now is still very very basic right even the most uh, intricate and complicated ais are still very predictable. But once you really start going to that next level, and these AI components uh, of these single-player games start becoming more realistic and more unpredictable in a meaningful way, I think I think that's when things are really going to start popping out. And also, if you're talking about technology, there's always the whole VR route. And I think VR is like most definitely something to, uh, to think about as far as what the next generation is going to be. Because... As as far as we come with VR today, right, with the the Vive, uh, the Oculus, the PS uh, the PSVR, they're still lower end experiences compared to the ultimate fulfillment of what that technology wants to provide to an individual, right? Right. So we're gonna get to a point where we literally hook ourselves up to a computer or something. We wear fucking body suits and get completely involved into a world where there's like electrodes. Uh, you know, kind of poking out, like stimulating different sensations on the body. And that's going to be something that we're going to be able to afford as consumers. And once they start making experiences for those things, that's when we look back at these games and we look at ourselves holding those controllers and, and think of ourselves as fucking Neanderthals. Mm. And we're going to get there, in my opinion, during our lifetime. Uh, and that's going to be fantastic because I don't know where that's going to go. 
but uh, the the road work and all the all the little foundation to getting there has already been set. Everything's already in motion. Uh, the only thing that gets, that's got to get there is to make it affordable and make it something that is supported by a decent amount of mediums. And it's something that's going to be it. And the funny thing is, uh, the fucking porn industry is going to lead the way. It's going to be great. Because <laughs> this is one did. of those. That's how yeah, it's always yeah. worked. Is the porn industry always kickstarted the next technology? <laughs> you know, the internet today would not be the internet that we know without porn. This is this is like a fucking fact. You know, you can't deny it. Like, if there wasn't such a demand for digital pornography, the internet and the the broadband speed that we enjoy, we might as well be using, you know, still using AOL online. And using dial-up, you know, yeah, uh, it's it's crazy, and I feel like that's the that's the future that we've got to look forward to. And there's always going to be more. Like I, I can't imagine a world where we can say, yeah, this is it, this is the achievement of our society, and this is where we're going to stop. No, no way, dude. We're going to go so far. Well, you may be right, but you know what? We're ending on a high note, which is porn, because I want to I want to wrap up the show. <laughs> 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 oh, always a high note, you know. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, I appreciate everybody listening. It's been a fun little intermission. Thank you for coming on, Jay. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, but yeah, w- I'm hoping we'll be back next week. I don't know. Uh, Matt's going to be out for two weeks, uh, but he's—I think he's already beaten Wolfenstein. I'm not certain though. Okay. Uh, he was planning on beating it, but he wasn't going to be able to record. So, but uh, if you want to, you can send us an email. It's Drew at ztgd.com. Uh, talk to us about Wolfenstein or whatever we talked about here. Give us your thoughts on that. Um, and um, yeah, you can tweet to us. I'm at DML Fury and Jay is at Batusai Jay. Uh, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, but yeah, that's it for us. Nice little intermission show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Maybe mm-hmm. brought some uh, thought provoking stuff to you. And uh, we'll leave you with that. Until mm-hmm. next time. I'm Drew. I'm Jay. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week. And we may be back next week with the finishing of Wolfenstein. I don't know yet, but we'll figure it out. <laughs>